Hey everybody, this is Letters from the Mezzanine, a New York Theater and Arts podcast. Instead of giving traditional reviews, we provide thoughtful post-show discussion, so spoilers abound. So let's start the show. Hey, so this is Norma. And this is Sarah. And we are Letters from the Mezzanine. Um, you may have heard or seen us, read us at our blog, lettersfromthemez.com. Um, there we blog about all kinds of things, but mostly theater. Yes. And, um... Yeah. It's epic. Epic. So, um, the most recent thing that we saw to separately, not together, um, was Brooklynite, kinda? Separately? Yeah. Separately. I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It was a shared but separate theater experience. Um, I was I was able to see it uh, several weeks ago, and yeah. Uh, what did you think about it? I loved it. Um, <laughs> you know, like we saw we saw uh, it's a bird, it's a plane, Superman, the musical at Encores. Yes, that was awesome. Several years ago, and it was awesome. But you know, it was campy. It was you know. In that period of time, it had really problematic representations of Asian characters, and, <laughs> and, they, and you know, it all had all that going on for it. So I've never really, and you know, and then there was Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark, and now we have Brooklynite, which is like so much more better at doing superheroes yeah. and singing at the same time. Yeah, um, I I also really enjoyed it. I thought the the book was a little weak. Like, I think the, you know, actual, the, yeah, the book was a little weak. The book was a little weaker than the songs. But I really, really enjoyed the songs. I think there were, like, a lot of catchy stuff. Yeah, there um, was, you know, like, I feel like a lot of uh, contemporary musical theater, you know, kind of sounds similar. It has, like, a similar pop feel. Like, anything that's come out, like, in the last ten years. But, like, this actually, like, had stuff from music that you hear, like, on the radio now, mm-hmm. like, in terms of, like, the, st- the style that the singer, that the actors were employing and what was in the orchestrations, like, it sounded very contemporary to me, and mm-hmm. I thought that was really refreshing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed to that, you know, earnest guy at the piano, and yeah. that earnest mezzo belting her face off, which is also nice, too. <laughs> yeah, it was, al- I expected also something a little more, like, dark or, like, serious or something, more, like, urban and gritty, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's, like, Brooklyn. I thought there was going to be a lot of, like, uh... But you wanted of, Nolan's Brooklyn? Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 but, like, uh, more kind of edgy humor on, about Brooklyn and, like, you know, gentrification and all that. Like, there were some, there was some of that in there. Not, not a lot. Not as much as I thought there was going to be. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, um, and it was just like, you know, like the bright colors and the, um, very comic booky feel to it. Like, it really was just like light entertain. Like, really just let's have fun. Let's kind of get back to comic book roots oh, yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. It really had all that more old-school kind of comic representation, especially with just, you know, the character designs. You know, you had uh-huh. you had this, uh, yeah, you know, the fire and, and the speed guy. And yeah, very kind of basic tropes and stuff. Yeah. But, but still really entertaining. 
Oh yeah, and um, I uh, I also just really liked how easily I was able to because like, that's like the lab problem with like fantastical and sci-fi elements in theater is that you know what where it really works in film you get like special effects you get you know the spaceship you get you know stuff blowing up but like you can't blow stuff up on stage yeah <laughs> so that's like a big problem but like they handled it really well like you know yeah. you know the the conceit of like a superhero flying and 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 all of that it just it looked really good yeah what they were doing yeah I thought so too so, um, the act, like, also just the acting is phenomenal. Like, except for, like, some people that we already talked about, but, like, uh, Matt Doyle is so, like, he's just a little, like, energy bubble of love. Like, he... Oh, yeah? <laughs> so, I saw him in Book of Mormon. Oh! And, and he, like, carried that show on his shoulders he, I have no idea how he maintained energy throughout, you know, those two and a half hours because he was like doing everything and like on stage for almost all the whole the whole show, dancing and singing and belting and going like just absolutely nuts. And he was like sweating a puddle on stage, but he was, I I have no like I remember sitting there and just being like holy crap how is this guy doing all of this and and then I also saw him in uh, Jasper in Deadland Jasper which, which was like that um, Orpheus and Eurydice musical oh yeah and, um, who is he he was the main guy he was Jasper which who was basically Orpheus oh okay okay and um, and yeah and like the same same deal he like just kind of lights up stage with like I don't know he's like a megawatt bulb the whole like anything that he does he was giving me <laughs> he was giving me some maybe it was because he was like in a shop in Brooklyn in the glasses and he's kind of unassuming but he was giving me like hardcore little shop of horrors feels uh-huh. which I thought was really adorable um I really enjoyed that and then of course we have to bring up our, our new fave <laughs> Yeah. Um, Nick Cordero. Yeah. Because he's just a star. Yes. He really is a star, and I can't, <clears throat> I really can't wait for him to just, like, break out. Yeah. Because he was wonderful in Bullets Over Broadway. Like, he made that show, like, as fun as it could be, possibly be. And, um, and then likewise in here, like, his turn from, like, spoiler alert, you know, <laughs> awkward, you know, side character to, you know, villain was really a joy, a delight to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, so I stuck around after the show, and uh, people were going up to him when he came out of the dressing room or, or whatever, like the stage show, and um, and all the like old old ladies were like, "Oh, I really? Love you. I, you, I knew you were my favorite from the second you walked out." Oh. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh yeah." Thanks. That means a lot. It was also the night before it closed, and so I think for everybody there, it was like ultra meaningful. Ultra feels. Yeah. Ultra but, feels. Yeah, he seemed like such a gentleman. Aww. And we want to be his best friend. Basically, we're just putting it out there yeah. in the non-creepiest of ways. Yes. So, Brooklyn was fabulous. I really hope it can get, you know... Maybe be put up again at the vineyard, find another home, or gas Broadway. I mean, it was it was huge. Like, Dare I say it? <laughs> it it. I mean, 
if I were a producer, I'd be looking for a new home for it because it was, uh, it sold pretty well. Yeah. I mean, when I was there, there was like the extra, they had a, like a comedy extra seating. Did you really you didn't have that? I don't they remember. Had, like, <laughs> they had like metal chairs on the sides and like obstructed view seats. They had to basically add like as 10 many extra people as they chairs. could. Yeah. That's stellar. Um, Yes. So, also the the did you have a lemon bar? They had lemon bars. <laughs> so for those of you who haven't seen Brooklynite, um, it's a we didn't even tell you what guys what it was about. Ugh. <laughs> this is the travails of having a first podcast. Brooklynite is like this stunning musical about um, superheroes. Um, that there there have been superheroes that, you know, emerge in, you know, Brooklyn some years ago, and they become, like, a superhero team, and there's this one guy who, like I said before, is basically a little shop of horrors dude, and, um, he's, like, <laughs> he just wants to be a superhero, and, you know, and, you know, stuff happens. But, um, the thing, though, is that the kid, played by Matt Doyle, um, makes lemon bars, because that's what, like, you know, his parents made all the time, and it featured throughout the show and it made me have an actual hankering for some lemony treats they were selling they were selling lemon not at not at the show i went to i'm that's very upsetting to me yeah i mean they were a little expensive because i think i paid like four dollars for like a little oh really tiny one square inch like cube thing but um but they were yummy and and the guy who was selling them had made them Himself at home. Himself. Like that day, yeah. Fresh treats at the vineyard, guys. Do that more often. So <laughs> that was Brooklynite. Yeah. It was fantastic. And um, yeah, hopefully they'll bring it back somewhere. Somewhere. Somehow. Someday. Um, <laughs> so um, the next thing that we saw um, together Wait. this time All right. was the Heidi Chronicles. <sighs> yes. On Broadway. Yes. Lots of interesting feels from this one. So basically, it's about um, it's a play by Wendy Wasserstein, um, and it's about a woman named Heidi, and it kind of chronicles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it um, yeah, from from the time that she's a young girl, like her high school prom, all the way to her life as a you know, probably middle-aged adult, um, and, and it talks about her, her feminism, her activism, and it kind of records how that evolves with time. It's also very kind of historically, um, relevant. Yeah, historical, but, but it's almost like in a documentary way where, like, if I didn't know anything about feminism, I could go to this show and see how it has evolved from the 50s to the late 80s, 90s. And you really get a sense of, like, how it affects individuals as opposed to, you know, the tenants. Like, you know, you never, like, you know, um, what's Betty Friedan's book called? Um, the Feminine Mystique? Yeah, that's not mentioned in this play at all. So, yay. You don't hear any of that. <laughs> you don't hear Gloria Steinem's name mentioned. You don't hear any of, like, you know, <laughs> it's it's basically what these ideas that are circling through the time period, how they're affecting these characters. Yeah. Um, and how, you know, they may not, you know, always fall through those uh, Yeah, like it doesn't come out the way you think it will. 
Yeah. I, I think the biggest feeling that I got from it was just kind of uh, her dissatisfaction with the movement and and realizing by the end that um, that things are just so much more complicated. Like ideals, you know, having ideals and having something to fight for is great and it's, it's always great to fight for what you believe in and to, you know, try to achieve equality and stuff. But... Um, but the layers of that, like the nuances of, of what equality means and how women actually go about working through that is, um, is really, really difficult. And I think she, she feels, I don't, yeah, like I, I think she feels by the end that she doesn't, hasn't really done anything worthwhile or like. Yeah, I was, there's something in that she does, she kind of lets things happen around her. Um, you know, she, you know, from the beginning, you know, mm. you know, opening is at the school dance and she's content with just, you know, sitting back and reading a book and her, you know, best friend is just like, no, no, you know, you have to, you know, you have to do something. And, you know, throughout the, throughout the play, you know, her best friend, you know, is like a great foil. She does all kinds of things. She, first she's like a boy crazy girl of the 60s. Then she becomes, you know, a queer oh, feminist. Yeah, she's in a commune. And, um, yeah, so she, it, it always changes, you know. Um, she becomes, like, a, a network executive, you know, like a high-powered yeah. network executive of the 80s. Very lean in, which is, like, it's crazy how um, how similar that last environment that we're in is is, is to our current like I, I felt like the whole character of her friend is kind of like could could be the ideology of like a Sheryl Sandberg kind of thing. Like like you can get everything you want and and just kind of playing into the um the patriarchy in a way. Like Yeah. But yeah. you know. Um so there there's so many different faces of feminism and I think what Heidi realizes is that um, women, in trying to get everything right and trying to achieve equality with men, they have to have very superficial lives and and become these like you know business honchos and you know all these things that um, aren't very fulfilling and and don't really feel good. Like you just kind of end up beating yourself up for not being everything. Thing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, during that, you know, during that speech that she talks about all the women that she, you know, meets at her exercise class, like, and it's so hilarious how it's, like, a aerobics class. Like, the, the attention, <laughs> the, it's, it's just so great, just random sidebar, how, like, Wendy Wasserstein and, you know, the creative team, you know, everybody involved with this play, you know, from, like, the text to, you know, from page to stage, it's all, like, very specific, not afraid. They have the Janis Joplin playing. They have, you know, the, you know, mourning the death of John Lennon. They, you know, they, they have the It's in It's Kiss song. Like, they just, like, everything's there. You have the AIDS crisis of the 80s. Like, everything that... You mean contextually? Contextually, yeah. Contextually and with pop culture, everything was just, like, so, like, unabashedly, like, 
Like, no, this is what the time was about. Like, we're not going to, like, stay away from these cultural and pop cultural milestones. Although I totally forgot the tangent that I was going for with this. Uh. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You had all these women. She had all these women in the aerobics class, right? And she was like, you know, how do I stack up to them? And, you know, and she was, you know, comparing and despairing and, you know, finally realizing, like, I don't have to do that, you know? Mm. But, you know, she spent so much time. Yeah. It's hard to to come when... Because if you think... If if you feel like this is what I fought for and yet I'm not... I'm not... Being em- fulfilled. Exemplif- yeah, and I'm not exemplifying it myself. Like, who am I? I'm just this kind of spectator, this, you know, art mm-hmm. historian. I don't really matter. Um, as opposed to my friend who is you know, could be, is in the same position as many men in her field. Um, you know, it, it it's you really mean the, demoralizing. You mean um, the, her ex, her ex-wife, you mean Scoop uh, Rosenbaum or do you mean uh, Peter? Oh, no, I mean uh, Susan, the friend. Oh, our best friend Susan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, there's another thing there. I mean, she says it um, at one point. She says... You know, like, her role as an art criticism is, like, to know so much but not participate. And she even does that, like, you know, like, the nature of her job. Like, you have, you know, her friend who does all these different careers and is involved in so many ways. And even, like, even in her job that is as vapid, you might say, as, like, an entertainment, you know, executive um, Mm -hmm. at the very end, she's still producing a show about, like, 330-something women. You know, she still, you know, is involved with, like, women visibility in the arts, which, lo, 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 there's not a lot of it, right? So, there's, um, you know, like, that's, like, a pretty awesome thing that she's involved with in that regard. You have um, Peter, who's, you know, like, doing all this work for children and later for children with AIDS. And then you even have Scoop, who's, like, the worst, but he helped, you know, be part of this magazine for baby boomers and, like, you know, be part of, like, trying to define what it is to be a boomer and, Mm. you know, create, help create that whole mythos of the generation, you know, being, like, so powerful, so great, so young, so different from, you know, the older Mm. generation and, you know, defining trends and stuff. Like, what was it, getting rid of pastels at one point in the show? He's, like, Uh talking about pastels and interior decorating. He's just, like, you know, and, like, and then, you know, for her, it's, it's something that's passionate to her you know, bringing women involved in the arts and women artists, you know, adding those to the historical record. But, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's her scholarship, but, you know, it's very, (laughs) it's very insular. Yes. It's not an external career that she has. Yeah. She's not executing change or, or kind of. In a huge way. Yeah. And you, you know, and there's little things here and there, like some people here, they say that they read her book. But that's about, that's where, you know, you never even seen, like, a scene with, like, a student or something. Mm. You're like, I'm changed forever by your lecture. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what how, what does she do affect someone else in regards to her mm. career, you know? Mm-hmm. So, are we going to talk yet about how, like, Bryce Pinkham is the best and he's gonna totally going to get a Tony nom this year? I was telling my sister about that. I was, I came home and I'm like, oh, by the way, Bryce Pinkham's going to win the Tony this year. <laughs> um, he's amazing. He plays Peter. Um, who is her uh, 
best friend who, uh, like, ten years into the play, <laughs> comes out to her as gay. Um, and, like, the gay rights movement kind of coincides uh, with the feminist movement. And there, even there, there's, like, a little bit of tension. Tension. Yeah. Between, you know, causes and who's excluding whom. And, um, again, very, very reminiscent of today. Today. <laughs> So much today. And I still, and I love you, Patricia Arquette, Madonna, (laughs) you made a lot of pop songs. We're going there. We're totally going there because, (laughs) you know, you still even have today feminists saying, like, your cause isn't important important," or your identity is, you know, validated, whereas this identity is not. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff to unpick there with, like, intersectionality and, like, who's right and who's wrong but like you know there's still tension and you know during like you know the gay rights resurgence of the movement in the last several years with you know gay marriage and state laws and gay rights activists comparing their struggle to that of african americans and Uh african americans in the media would be like no don't do that and you know and all that you know thing you know we still today have like different minority groups clashing at times, and you know, it was no different decades ago when mm-hmm. they were still when they just started making the movements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. great to see that moment happen. It actually reminded me of um, the scene where it when he when Peter comes out to Heidi um, is like a fabulous scene, and it's it, it and it, I think it's wonderful because it's so true to these characters and to this time period. It reminds me of the scene in South Pacific when Nellie is with um, the dude. I can't think of his name right now. But, um, and (laughs) he tells her, like, oh, you know, I have, like, these are my children. And she's like, oh, you had children with a colored woman? And then she just leaves. Uh (laughs) And, you know, and it's, like, and it's such a great scene because, like, she, it's, like, it's not, like, this, like, fake it's not a fake, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein moment, like, da-da-da-da-da, you know, the family is, like, crossing the Alps and going to become singers and everything's okay, World War II is done. You know, it's not that kind of stuff. It's like, no, like, this is serious. Like, she's a woman from the South. She's encountering this man who had had a, a interracial relationship with a woman and had kids with her, and she's like, whoa, that's not in my comfort zone, you know, and mm-hmm. she has to step away from that. And much in the same way, you know, Heidi is like, you know, I'm not even, you know, you might even, like, I don't, I'm not even sure what her comfortability, comfortableness is in general with different sexual orientations. Or, yeah, or even with her own, well, no, because she does have relationship with Scoop, right? She's, like, casually dating him. Yeah, yeah, uh, she's casually dating him. But, like, but we don't really ever see her having sex or talking about sex right <laughs> um. not often not that often I mean she does date a lot of editors it seems oh yeah <laughs> but like but it you know she doesn't really relate to right away to what he what he's going through and and insists that you know her cause is more important than his sexuality and you know uh-huh. even like you know asserts that you know she thought that he would be with her it was just a lot of feels. It was a lot of emotional catharsis, mm-hmm. um, and and it was it was stunning to watch. By the way, we didn't even mention Elizabeth Moss is plays Heidi. By the way, it's one of those one of those shows this season. You got you know got the star, blah blah blah. But you know she wasn't Speed the Plow several years ago. Yeah, no, um, she. I think she did a really good job. And she was 
Fantastic. Yeah. Wonderful. She, yeah. I mean, you're not a Mad Men person, right? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> to-do I, list. To-do list. I've only seen a couple, but it's, you know, she's, she plays, like, the the feminist character on the show. Oh, really? And um, so it's interesting. I, I wonder, like, what uh, what that was like, kind of bringing those, those two pieces two, together. Yeah. 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 I mean, and she also plays historical so well. Like, she, like, the outfits, uh-huh. you know. She's kind of like... You know how, like, you could always put, like, Kara Knightley in, like, you know, like, a corset and, like, a dress and, like, stick her in a time period and she fits in so well. It's kind of like Elizabeth Moss, I guess, in, like, American <laughs> mid, history pieces. Mid-20th century. Mid-20th century <laughs> pieces. No, I'm, like, I'm serious. Like, she did she did the 60s. Like, she looked great and like, the bell bottoms. And she just fit right in so well uh-huh. to, like, all the costumes. Jason yeah. Biggs, not so much. Jason Biggs <laughs> fits all the costumes as well. He looked really, he looked great in the bell bottoms and, like, jacket scene they first came in. He looked... He looked like he, the sideburns and everything fit him real well. Yeah. Yeah. He was good, too. I was, no? He was yes. good. He was good. Yeah. He was good. He was good. Did you feel sympathy for his character? Because his character is uh. like, um, he he starts out as this very liberal journalist. Right. Um, working for like a very leftist newspaper. Right. And I guess as he becomes more successful, he becomes more conservative and eventually he is basically the emblem of like Reaganomics and Reagan. He totally is. Um, you know, baby boomer mentality and, and like conservatism and money and power and group. But, but he... You know, he, uh, I guess we're supposed to kind of believe that Heidi and him are meant to be, you know, like they, they should have gotten married if they both kind of lost their baggage a little bit. But, um, but should they? Something tells me he would have still <laughs> kept cheating on her. Yeah. Because I, I think so too, but I feel like the, I feel like the play kept kind of making us feel like like if they got married they might be a little happier. I think I think that they have like a very strong connection to each other, but I think Heidi could definitely hold out for someone better. I'm I'm sorry. He was, <laughs> Scoop was the worst. Well, yeah. So so he marries this girl who Southern Yeah, Southern Belle who um is just kind of empty <laughs> no, and you know what it has is. Has a lot of money, but she, but she is a children's book illustrator. No shade <laughs> to children's book illustrators because that's a hard job too. But you know, yes. um, it's just, it's just kind of funny <laughs> how he goes from like a like European art historian to a children's book illustrator. Oh, it's yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. a little like slap in her face, kind of. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. But um. But he basically tells Heidi on the evening of his marriage that he um, couldn't marry her because she's too ambitious for him and he needs someone to basically put him first Mm -hmm. and his needs first um, before her own. Um, that was an amazing scene. And as you well. said you've had that experience. Yes, yeah, I've I have had that experience. Um, I <laughs> I've definitely been in that position where like I've known that someone's been interested in me, and then like years later they came to me and they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, but like I didn't I didn't come to you because you were like too like smart and intelligent and." 
blah, 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 and I didn't think I was good enough or whatever. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. You know, uh, it was it was very similar to that moment when, like, Scoop, like, tells her, like, what he what – he, what he needs – from someone and what mm. what he can what he what he thinks he should versus what he can or whatever and yeah. it's just yeah it was just really like it scoop reminded me of a lot of guys I know <laughs> that yeah. like it's like mm, highly motivated equal partner in life you can follow a career as solidly as you can follow my penis or <laughs> just stick to the penis and you know uh-huh and that's and that's what he wanted um it was <laughs> It, that's what he. That's what he got too. Um, and it, you know what's really great is that after that scene, because then you you know you have all these judgments and assessments of this woman, um, of of his wife. But as it turns out, Lisa is just like this. I mean, she's a great character in her own right. You know, mm. like she's doing the best that she can in her mm. way. I mean, she does have a career. She does, you know, she's being a good wife and a good mother the way she should and wants. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the, when they're in the apartment and he says that he's away on a business trip, but they all know he's on a business trip. <laughs> and she just, like, starts, like, crying, mm-hmm. you know? It's just, like, she, she knows what's up. She mm-hmm. knows, like, there's, there's, no, there's, there's a side effect to her, too. You know, maybe she thought she was having it all by this marriage and, you know. And mm-hmm. the job and the kids and the thing. And having yeah. a life of fulfillment. Yeah. But I, you know, I was thinking about, like, feminism today. And, like, you know, we today we have, like, Broad City. And Yay. we have, uh, like, girls as much as you. <laughs> but as much as you don't like it. I still think it's it's a feminist television show in that it portrays real like real-ish women lives. sure sure does <laughs> um but like the these are two and even like parks and rec um, unbreakable kimmy schmidt unbreakable on netflix Sh- now yeah, exactly um these are girls well not girls women who women uh, sorry we're gonna try and use that sorry, word it's hard women. it's hard it's hard i say girls all the time um they're women who uh, like, don't have anything, <laughs> like, are, are not striving towards, I mean, they do have goals, but there, there's a resistance about these shows, I mean, like, okay, Leslie Nope is, is definitely ambitious, but, you know, the, the, these shows are purposely kind of putting these women in, uh, very low, um, positions in in that like all they want to do is just get high or you know fuck around or yeah um you know get wasted and stuff and um and I feel like that's almost kind of like a reaction to this you know woman get everything you want like like second second wave feminism oh totally as, as like uh you know, be become a professional, become a mother, because like juggle everything, um, be be all that you can be, and um, and really kind of shoot for the stars, and and then there's that I think people get disillusioned with that, and um, especially women, and then they start to shame themselves, you know, for not being able to achieve everything mm-hmm. and not being Sheryl Sandberg. And I mean, I mean, shit. Um, Even in Parks and Rec, I mean, Leslie's character is like, like she 
I mean, especially in that awkward first season, she does not have it all. She can yeah. barely run um, her little section of the department. You know, her love life is a mess. Her mother barely respects her. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot going on. And, you know, even as, like, the show progresses and gets way better and she becomes, like, you know, the superhero of a politician. I mean, there's still, like, a lot of... Yeah. There's still a lot of a balance. There's still a balancing act there. Yeah, like, she's still a hoarder, and she's still, yes. like, you know, eats waffles constantly. Uh, yeah, and- <laughs> in a pre-diabetic and- kind of way. <laughs> um, you know, so you have, and then it's it's just so funny how, like, even in the play itself, you have, like, the new generation, the generation of people that are a little bit younger than um, Heidi, and, and, and them saying, like, oh, we won't make your mistakes. Which I don't oh. even know what those mistakes when was were. That? Wait, it was it was a uh, Lisa's sister. I oh, think. oh yes, yes, yes. And it was like in the and, restaurant scene. Yeah, in the restaurant scene. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, we're gonna be like, you know, we're gonna be better than your generation, and mm-hmm. we're not gonna do X, Y, and Z. Although it was a little unclear to me what exactly that was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still pretty interesting. Um, to just see that like contrast, and then you know, finally at the very end. Um, you know, spoiler, I mean, if this wasn't already spoilerific, Heidi adopts a baby. Yes. And that scene takes place in 1989. Yes, which is the year we were born. <laughs> Both of us were born. Um, and she says, like, this stuff, like, oh, like, the future is going to be, like, so great for you. Like, you know, we, like, you know, they have all these, they talk so much about, it's gonna be like for the baby, the world they grew up in and stuff, and it's just really interesting what has changed since and what hasn't. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, they you know they mentioned so much. You know what it, what it's like to have like you know like the the importance of finding a husband and blah blah blah, and just just how those things are still important here, but they're just. Not nearly as emphasized uh-huh. in as much as in that time period. Uh-huh. Like it was very restrictive. Like I forgot. I forgot yeah. how restrictive it was. Yeah. You should watch Mad Men more. Yeah. <laughs> um, when? No, I was just watching it. Some of it today, like you know, early like early episodes, because my boss wasn't here. Uh, she wasn't at work, so I got to do whatever I wanted. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and like, those first couple of episodes were like, oh, my God, patriarchy so much. So um, hard. Patriarchy so, so hard. hard. Um, but, you know, I like how even though Jason Biggs' character, Scoop, is sort of detestable, we, we're still, like, you know, we're not... He's not the villain. No, you know? and, by and no he's means. He's still kind of like even a viable option and and still a sympathetic character. He's like, still, he's, I mean, he's still, he's also, I mean, not a victim, but he, he has, there definitely, like, there's effects to his choices as well, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I can almost see how, like, in within this play, I can see how, like, all these people who were activists, in their college years and you know were mm. progressives and stuff and then and then realizing either that they're not going to get what they want or 
that what they want isn't actually all it's cracked up to be. And now they are, you know, the Bill O'Reilly's and, you know, now they watch Fox News on TV and, um, I can kind of chart that progression a little bit in the play like that. Oh yeah. Cause he, um, I think growing up and maturing to become more cynical people. Just, you know, like, following where, like, the money and self-fulfillment is, I guess. You know, writing for that, his radical... Which they bring up so much in the play. They bring up his little rag that he used to write for, like, multiple... Numerous times in the play. That's one of the things that they bring up the most, actually, I think, from their past. Is uh-huh. his days in the newspaper. Like, they bring it up in the in the interview. They bring... And it's funny, because you think it'd be one of those things that they wouldn't bring up at all. And he would uh-huh. always try to, like not talk about but they do bring it up a lot which i think is pretty interesting it's like his past and uh his uh very liberal beginnings Mm -hmm. um almost uh like really leftist like radical yeah steps oh can i that now talking about that morning news segment like was it you don't you've seen merrily right merrily we roll along Uh, i haven't i wanted to um, it's, it's so merrily. It's, like, the, the three, like, there's three characters. One of them is, like, a successful asshole. One of them is still, like, kind of figuring his partnership out. And then you have the girl kind of caught in the middle. And, and there is a morning news segment, oh, like, in that there? show. It's very, very, um, par- a lot of parallels there. Oh, um, so I wonder if, like, it was inspired partly. by the yeah. Heidi Chronicles or vice versa, probably. Oh, yeah, which, yeah, <laughs> came before. Yeah. Oh, maths and years. So, uh, <laughs> so there were some standout performances. Of course, we said Bryce Pinkham was going to get the Tony nod. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Tracy Chimo yes. was definitely... Um, just snatching weaves in the show. She was just, <laughs> she was just so fantastic. She played a variety of characters, um, when including um this lesbian activist, ultra feminist, ultra controversial, uh, confrontational character that was just like a fantastic. It was so. It was just everything. Really everything. That. Every every character that Tracy Tracy played was like different. Um differently, you know, approached and engaging. Yeah, she was a total scene stealer. Oh, and that new segment, especially when she would do, like, these freezes, like, she would, like, say the question and yeah. then, like, freeze. Actually, her, um, in the Playbill, did you notice that the, the like, main, one of the main articles was about her? It was, it was there. Oh, no. And, um, I got, I got, I got, I got distracted by all the Chanel ads. I'm going to have to go back and <laughs> yeah. revisit she, the essays. Yeah. She, um, and I, Mama I skimmed didn't it. do her homework before <laughs> no, recording okay. this podcast. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> uh, she, it, I skimmed through it and she said that basically the way she approached each character was like physically first, like she mm. decided how each of them would just kind of bodily, the heavily work. pregnant character definitely would be yes. a help. Yes, those maternity dresses. Now Disgusting. I know why they said that. Mat- <laughs> now I know why they say that maternity dresses are so bad. Like 
It was just like this big sack of nothing and a big old bow on the middle. Yeah. Or that vest that actually Tracy Timo was wearing. That was gross. That yeah. vest number. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing I like. It was just, it was, it also, speaking of Mad Men, it had this like level attention to detail with the costumes. And the and sets. And the sets. Yeah. That, that, that final, that, not that final set, but one of those last sets in the um, children's hospital scene, the 80s. Oh, yes. I love that set so much because I literally looked like my childhood, it, like, in a, in a set. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because growing up was only a couple years after that scene, I would assume. So, like, you had, like, the Christmas tree, like, the ornaments on the tree. Mm-hmm. Those, like, the kind of ornaments that I would have had. The, the, the toys. And you, they had one of those spinny-the-wheel plastic things mm-hmm. where you'd, like, spin the wheel and then it would, like, play a sound. And they had those red, white, and blue, like, blocks. Okay. That look like bricks. I don't know if you noticed that oh, in the lower left hand corner. I think corner. I know. Oh, I yeah. remember those bricks. They don't yeah. have those bricks today. Yeah. And that like was a chill. really nice set, yeah. It was really these like really nice touches. And those bell bottoms were not flattering to anyone in the <laughs> 60s, 70s scenes. They were not those nineties era bell bottoms. They were just straight up like loose pitches of denim. Yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> I really did. I the costume yeah. design fantastic the sets fantastic yay i was happy with how it looked yeah and i definitely want to read more wendy washer scene stuff me too she seems like really fantastic i was reading like um i guess her new york times a bit where they really you know talked about went into her life and stuff and um yeah she seems like a cool person yeah yeah um, I'm and, really yeah. She started the open doors program, which at T yeah I did, which I did. I snuck into some of these performances. No, no, no. Sarah, Sarah attended all of them, all I, of them as she should have, as a student <laughs> in seeing theater yes. through TDF. Yes, thank you, TDF. It actually is thank a fabulous you. program. If you guys don't know about it, TDF has um this program for um, kids in high schools and any uh, younger than high schools, any schools? Uh, I think it's high school. Um, to, I think so. also some colleges too. My college is uh, a part of it. Okay. And Sasha was. Maybe, maybe it's like a slightly different program. Oh, I don't know. Maybe not. But basically getting, <laughs> basically getting young people to see theater, which we desperately need because the current crop isn't going to last forever. So, <laughs> yes. so we, we, we gotta get, we gotta, we gotta get the young ones interested in theater. So, yeah. it's a fantastic, fantastic um, production. If you haven't um, gotten your tickets, you should definitely check out Heidi Chronicles. Um, the website is HeidiChroniclesOnBroadway.com. Um, it's playing at the Music Box Theater, which was, what, on 45th? Uh, 6th. 46th. You, you <laughs> Google. Google good people. It's, it's in that theatery, midtowny place. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I highly, I'd highly recommend it, especially if you're interested in seeing not just feminist drama in particular. I, I'm actually one of those people who doesn't think that feminist is a dirty word, so don't worry about it. But I'm just, you know, I'm saying, you know, if you're, that's not your thing, then it's just also just a wonderful series of character portraits mm-hmm. going through time. It's like the female version of Forrest Gump in that way. <laughs> it's like the female feminist version of Forrest Gump in that you're just following all the moments through history. Yeah. Less um, famous people, though. Not so many. Not so many famous. They no. got mentioned, no. There's a lot of, like, that. The uh, one thing that for me was, like, the Lennon death scene was, like, a little gratuitous. Oh, uh huh. But I figured 
I mean, I'm sure boomers love Lennon, so uh. gotta put that in there. Um, and uh, it was just, it was just, it was just a really, really fantastic show. Um, Yay! So that I think. Yeah, I think we're gonna pull the plug. Pull the plug. All right. Um, um we're seeing a lot, a lot of shows this month because we're crazy. Uh, no, we're we're seeing like most of the Broadway spring openings. Tony Award season, guys! It's upon us. So hopefully, um, we will have time to record more podcasts in the near future. Recaps, (laughs) yes. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we're playing it by ear a bit. So thanks and (laughs) (laughs) thanks for watching us. Thank you for watching our um inaugural show if you want to catch us at our day job our day day blog we we <laughs> blog at letters from the mez.com mez double z dot cam um you can also find us on our twitter we also have a facebook um and we have a deactivated tumblr page so that's <laughs> don't go there <laughs> Yes. And um, we're going to be covering every show that we see this season. We'll have an accompanying blog post. And um, and we're looking forward to seeing all these shows and finding sleep in between all of it. Yay. All right. Um, Thank you for listening. Bye.